1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: And good morning. Our lines are open. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls to 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 086 or of course email jp at c103.ie. Ahead on the show this morning. First of all, news you would have heard breaking across the morning on our early morning bulletins and this is Ryanair who have come out and said they are going to close their base at Cork and Shannon Airport for the winter months and this is all to do of course with what's happening with COVID-19 and the worldwide pandemic. Uh, Obviously enough there's concerns locally on that uh, how that would affect the jobs in the region, how it affects the region as a whole not only for people in Cork travelling out of the country but also for those who wish to tourists or for tourists who wish to travel here into the Cork area and while the management say they're just devastated at Cork airport at this particular news uh, there is flights that will still be served from Cork and will still operate out of Cork uh, but still there's three routes that will still operate for, from Cork airport by Ryanair for the winter but still uh, they are going to closing their base for the winter months and even though this may be coming as a, as a shock to some others will say well given what's happening uh, something is going to have to give for the aviation industry considering the amount of people that used to fly are now flying anymore. If you go back earlier on this year, over the summer months when the CEO of Ryanair, Eddie Wilson, was in Cork Airport, he wasn't very happy with the government approach to the airline industry given what was happening with COVID-19. And not that he hinted it could happen but he did more or less say they would have to look at how the operation would run into the future. So I suppose overall you can understand where businesses are coming from and how they may have to relook at their operations but also it is devastating news for the airport that this is to happen. While we must remember there is still routes flying from Cork Airport this, winsta- this winter with Ryanair. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome on that. 1850 333 text or WhatsApp 86 discussion discuss that later in the show with the Cork East Sinn Féin deputy Pat Buckley uh, who has concerns over what is happening in the aviation industry here in Cork. Also further restrictions announced yesterday evening they may have called a lot of people out while it was mentioned that level 4 could be happening for some border counties and that has happened for three of those Monaghan, Cavan and Donegal I don't think any of us saw the restrictions to do with our households and more on that in a while. Also more from Budget 2021 across the show we're going to hear from a North Cork carer who was unhappy with the budget outcome for carers. Yesterday, we spoke with Catherine Cox on the program on how carers and the Care Family Carers Ireland, uh, which was the Carers Association, they were reacting on how carers felt from the budget because there wasn't a lot given to carers. They felt, but we're going to hear firsthand on the ground and how carers are dealing with what they get from the state and their reaction to this particular budget and basically how they live day by day we'll be discussing and speaking with a north cork carrier shortly on the program also some good news from a caller we had on the show a number of weeks ago this was Dennis he rang to inquire about his wedding ring which broke and a lot of listeners came back with plenty ideas and where he could go to get the ring fixed he has got that particular advice from listeners he has gone about the advice from listeners but has he got the ring fixed we'll hear from Dennis on the show this morning also our garden and Pet Advice with Jane. So that and more to come between now and one o'clock. Again, our lines are open. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning to 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But going back to what was announced yesterday evening with these restrictions uh, that was announced around half eight to nine o'clock. This came out from on T Shock Michal Martin that basically A nationwide ban on household visits has been introduced and this is what they are trying to do here is suppress the spread of the COVID-19 infections. The cabinet met to discuss the new restrictions to tackle uh, the highest number of cases that was reported for a single day. And there was 1,095 new cases reported yesterday. And as Neffet are coming out saying they are extremely concerned about this and following a cabinet meeting, it was signed off on a ban on all household visits except on Compassionate grounds and for essential reasons such as childcare. Uh, But the restrictions also apply not only for inside the home, but for someone who may be calling to people's gardens. Uh, But up to six people from two households can still meet in other outdoor settings if physical distancing is maintained and again the three border counties Monaghan, Cavan and Donegal now they have moved to level 4 restrictions from midnight tonight and that will run up there until Tuesday November the 10th so uh, while there's restrictions in the border counties for us here in Cork uh, the biggest thing for us last night announced was the household visits And basically a ban on household visits whether that will make an impact or not on the figures we'll have to wait and see but for the moment basically no one is allowed to visit a home unless it is for those those reasons that he mentioned and this is on compassionate grounds or for essential reasons such as childcare and it applies as well outside the home in gardens so your views on the restrictions announced last night and I think a lot of people might not have been aware this was going to come nobody saw that coming for the rest of the country anyhow I know Level 4 was spoken about but when it comes to those particular restrictions on household visits uh, nothing was mentioned and I know a lot of people are going to be saying well how can they police that and I suppose they can't they're just wishing and hoping that people will take the advice that they are offering to see if they can reduce uh, the numbers of COVID-19 across Cork and indeed across the country your views welcome on those new restrictions as well 1850 Good morning to you John Paul and Mark Namara with you right through on, until 1 o'clock this afternoon with Cork Today your views are welcome 1850 Three years You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. A lot of comments in regarding these new restrictions, which were mentioned yesterday. Just some of those that are coming into us. First of all, a texter here saying on these new restrictions, can we shut down the bars, stroke beer gardens? Since we can visit next door neighbours or other families, but you can meet up to fifteen in the beer garden. Surely that should be looked at. While Lucy in Dunmanway says, "So I'm confused. I can't say hello to my seventy nine year old mother." in her garden at six plus feet away but I can see her on the pavement outside her house what's the difference surely it's a higher risk if we are on the pavement where other people will be says Lucy in Dunmanway And yeah, there is a lot of confusion over the way that people can work around these particular restrictions. I mean, they are saying it's a nationwide ban on households. uh, But of course, there is uh, compassionate grounds if you need to visit someone in your house for compassionate grounds. There is exceptions to that. So you can do that. And indeed, uh, for essential reasons, maybe such as childcare. Uh, But the restriction does apply to people calling to people's gardens. Uh so outside settings as well are, are not allowed in somebody's home. But I presume, Lucy, you're speaking about maybe a house in a street and how come you could stand outside on the road and see your mother that way. But you could not go into her back garden and, and see her mother. Well, they might argue that, that you're going into the actual house physically. And if you had any sign or symptom of COVID-19, you would bring that into the house. Uh, whereas if you're on the roadside, then you're not bringing it in that's maybe what they might look at at that way but yeah you have a point I mean people are asking why uh, can you go to a beer garden and you can't go into someone's home or why can you stand on the street like you say Lucy but still you can't go into the house uh, it's they, they're making the rules on that I can only assume that's what they are thinking that if you are on a house in the street that if you physically went into the house you may bring uh, the actual infection with you if you had it into the home and that's what they want to reduce but I can see people's point of view on that and, and you're correct Lucy I mean how how can you assure this I think the overall thing what they're trying to do here I presume is that they just don't want people mingling in homes because it's one of the reasons why uh, COVID-19 is spreading according to uh, the those in the know uh, so when people are wondering what they can and can do I think it's just more or less advice that they just don't want people mingling in homes and obviously there is essential reasons and compassionate grounds as they have lined out there but uh, overall I just think it's a message for people just to stop mingling and see can they reduce the figures that are just going higher every day as you will hear on our news in the evenings when NEFIT released those particular figures. Anyhow Lucy thank you for your text your views on that are welcome on 185333103 and something that came into us yesterday afternoon this is from Jennifer maybe if people have advice for Jennifer on this uh, there is mixed views here when I was speaking to Bernie and Sadie on it but we welcome your views on this anyhow and we might get in contact with the Consumer Association to see what they say as well but Jennifer purchased a jumper uh, purchased this for her partner now the jumper did not suit her partner so she went back to the shop she purchased it in and before though she went back to the shop and when she gave the her partner the particular jumper to try on They removed the tags and then they put the tags back on the particular jumper. But when they went back into the store, the store said to them they could not refund her because on the fact that Jennifer removed the tags. Now, Jennifer says she would have been happy with a refund or even a voucher, but the store said no, so she had to leave with the unwanted jumper. That did cost a lot, says Jennifer, but she wants to know, if you remove tags but then return them, are you not entitled to a refund? Uh, so your views on that basically got a jumper, removed the tags to try on the jumper, uh, put the tags back on. But when it went back to the store, the store said you removed the tags. So now we can't offer you a refund because you did take the tags off that particular jumper. Uh, Bernie and Sadie speaking to them, uh, they're saying that it's known that if you do remove the tags, then basically you can't take back the jumper. You have to leave the tags on. If you are going to try on a jumper or buy it and bring it home, the tags must stay on before you remove them. Uh, what's your view though, Jennifer would like to know what other people think on this particular situation. Uh, she felt she would have liked to get a, a voucher or a refund or something from the store because she put the tags back on the particular jumper. But they're saying because they removed the tags, you're getting nothing. Uh, your views welcome on that for Jennifer on text or WhatsApp to 0862103103 or you can call Bernie or Sadie on 1850 333103 and Alison in Kinsale onto us on the C103 Facebook Messenger and this is about something when those restrictions were being mentioned last night a lot of people were on about Halloween being cancelled and Alison is saying can the media please stop saying Halloween or Christmas are cancelled kids can hear this stuff too and it's causing upset my 80 year old was asking me last night after it was said on the news about Halloween and Christmas being cancelled Halloween and And Christmas, says Alison, don't need big groups to be special for kids. They just need some imagination. And maybe bringing back some of the old games for the families. And yeah, Alison, you're right. I mean, I suppose it's gone so commercialised, hasn't it, over the last number of years, Halloween and indeed Christmas. And you, you don't need the big fuss that we have had over the last 10 to 20 years. So I'm sure many would agree with you, Alison, on that. While some are saying that Halloween is cancelled and Christmas is cancelled, yeah, you might not be able to go trick-or-treating. Uh, but still, you can still up events for your children in your own home without actually having to organise a big deal or, or change things around and not do anything things still can be done to celebrate with your own family in your own home uh, so I think a lot of would agree with you there Alison on that thank you for your call to 1850 333 103 uh, you can Alison like she did on Facebook Messenger you can locate C103 Cork on Facebook or text or WhatsApp 86 103 103 but just back to the budget from yesterday and we spoke with Family Carers Ireland on their reaction but let's get your reaction on what it's like for an actual carer and their View on the budget and how they will manage with what they feel was nothing. Uh, from this year's budget. We'll speak uh, to Cork carer Brenda O'Connell-Barry on that next. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Now yesterday, during our piece with Family Carers Ireland about their reaction to this week's budget, uh, Cork carer Brenda O'Connell-Barry was highlighted as an example of how family carers are feeling left down again by this government. Now Brenda's a full-time carer for her six-year-old son Fiona And I'm joined now this morning by Brenda on the line. Good morning to you, Brenda. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. I suppose a lot of people and a lot of carers were in touch with us yesterday, shocked at hearing, first of all, that the carers' allowance for the likes of you was just €66 a week. Uh, It does feel for others in your situation, they contacted us feeling that they are just like an insult to the government at this stage, that nothing was given to them. Is that how you're feeling after this year's budget? And were you hopeful that something will be done for the likes of yourselves?
3: Unfortunately, I suppose we're not very hopeful of anything because we're just left down continuously time and time again. So hope is nearly gone for us now. It's going to take a miracle, I think, for something to change for us.
2: And when the budget was being mentioned, there was a talk that maybe something will be given to carers. There was some hope and some leaks at the very start. Didn't actually the change as we got nearer to the budget. I mean, for someone like yourself, in your situation, you're a full-time carer. Remind us again about your son, Fionn, because he requires 24-7 care. And your husband is working, uh, but you literally are spending 24-7 with to Care for him. So the money coming into your house is simply just from your husband's work and anything else than you can get by help of the state.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Trevor works really hard. He works in a factory in Shannon and he gets calls out during the night. He gets calls out at the weekend. You know, his work never lets up. He has to work really hard because we've had to get a big loan to finish the extension here that we did for Fion. Um We're paying that, that's massive. We have a big mortgage. We have all the same bills that every other family has, the central heat and oil, electricity, running the cars, the whole lot we have it. But I just get, 66 euros a week. And then basically everything has to be paid out of Trevor's money. We have to pay for the private physiotherapy and all the therapies we get for Fionn. We've had to fundraise for his wheelchair. We've had to fundraise for loads of things for Fionn because we don't get them from the HSE. Um, I've been advocating for four extra hours of support at the weekend for the last 12 months, John Paul, and I've actually been refused them. I've been told I've enough help. Um, And even though they know nothing really about Fionn's condition, Fionn has an extremely rare thing called NACC1 and there's nobody in Ireland or Europe with it and there's actually a research programme at the moment in Massachusetts Hospital in America and there's a professor over there, a neurologist and she has come out and said that in over 30 years in her experience she has never come across a more drug resistant mutation than what Pyun has and she has never seen the likes of the agitation and the suffering that the child goes through And I'm dealing with that here at home seven days a week. Um, I have nursing at night during the week now, John Paul, and I'm extremely, extremely grateful for that. But I have no support at all, day or night, at the weekend, and I just was advocating for four hours I was going to take an hour from every night that I have during the week and put it towards that just to give myself one night's sleep at the weekend, because some weekends, I actually don't get to go to sleep. I have to stay awake from Saturday morning until Monday night at 10 o'clock. And, you know, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for me. And I have asked what can happen in the event that I actually fall down and I can't do it anymore. And there's actually no backup plan. There's no options. I've been told I'll have to wait and see what will happen. We'll see. We'll see what we'll do in the event that it does happen. But it's it's disgraceful. I'm just looking for four hours in the HSE and the government, they just won't give them to me.
2: And Brenda, you mentioned there regarding the fundraisers that you have done over the years, you've had to do that for the extension for other work. And regarding the research done in America, has anybody actually come out from the HSC or those who issue uh, the payments? Have they come out and met your family and seen firsthand the work that you do with film? Because as you mentioned there, if you don't sleep uh, from one night to the next, if anything happens to you or Trevor... I mean, it doesn't bear thinking about then because Fiona will still need that particular care, regardless what goes on around him. Has anybody come out and assessed for real on what's going on? Because we have met Fiona, obviously prior to COVID now, we have met yourself and the family and Fiona here in studio at the very start. And you can see the care that is required. Have they not gathered that? Have they not seen the amount of work you do?
3: I honestly, these decisions are made in an office by somebody who has no idea what we are going through. They're ticking boxes, they're going through budgets and, you know money not there, they'll be fine, you know, they'll have, just have to keep going. But we actually can't. I mean, we, we have a wonderful consultant. Fionn has a brilliant life-limiting North St. Joseph's Foundation are fantastic with us and to us. And they are all advocating for these four hours for us and just to be refused the other day. I cried, I honestly, you know, because we want to keep him at home. We we love him so much. We want to care for him. But I'm actually going to fall down and I won't be able to care anymore. And I have asked them, I, I've said, how much would residential care cost for Fion if I fell down, collapsed, couldn't care anymore? Um, how much would that cost in relation to the four hours that I'm looking for, John Paul? You know, the HSE they have on their website, their values are care, compassion, trust and learning. Well, you know, I'd like to see some compassion and care here in this house and understanding. Um, And it's just not been shown to families like ours. You know, you have a child and you're told that you don't have long with your child. Now, is unfortunately, it seems like he is deteriorating and we don't know how long we have with him. There are lots of other families like ours who are on their knees as well. And we're begging and pleading, for support and we just need some rest at night you know it's not we're not looking for luxuries we just you know you need to recharge at night to be able to give them the full care and the full support that they need during the day now i it just beggars belief really Mm. to be
2: honest and especially now with COVID-19, I mean, the last thing you need is to get run down because you're not getting sleep due to the lack of help from the state. And I know at the start of all of this, we did speak to you regarding how you were fearful of COVID-19 and indeed how it impacted on the caring for And How are things uh, over the last few months for you guys?
3: Oh, you know, it is so frightening and the anxiety levels are really, really high. I mean, If John hasn't gone back to school, his school is open. He goes to the Holy Family School in Charleston, and they are absolutely fantastic as well. But I'm just so frightened because the risk, you see, I have the lupus as well myself, so I'm immunosuppressed on top of everything else. And, you know, I've been told, oh, the kids aren't getting it bad, and, and they're this and they're that, and, you know, he possibly could be okay. That's all well and good, but if he somehow brought it home to me, and I got it. I would be very sick. I have no immune system. I would be guaranteed, I, I would say, to be in hospital and be one of those misfortunes in the intensive care. And what happens to Fionn then? I mean, Trevor is expected then automatically to give up his work. How will we pay the mortgage? What will we do? If Trevor gets it, what happens? And I've been told there's no backup plan and possibly uh, the only thing to do would he'd have to be admitted into the university hospital above in Cork because we have no family members who are able to care for him. We have no friends that are actually able or or know how to care for him. They, They love him, but everyone is nervous to mind him because he is so, so complex and he can just choke in a second, you see. So if he was to be, if that situation did come about and Fiona had to be admitted into the hospital, he wouldn't have a nurse with him 24 hours a day. So the fact of the matter is that he would not survive If he was left alone and he wretched and choked like he does here at home, we have to suction him and give him oxygen. If nobody was by his side in the hospital when that happened, he would pass away. And, you know, that can happen every day. Every day here we deal with that. We're suctioning and oxygen and he's going limp and blue. And we're having to deal with all these kinds of situations here in the home. Ourselves, we're not nurses, we're not doctors. The stress levels are just, they're off the chart now, I have to say.
2: And going back to the budget, is there anything in that budget that gave you any bit of an increase yesterday?
3: Lord God, um, is there three fifty in the fuel allowance? But sure, the diesel yeah. and everything has gone up so much.
2: Can I rule that out? The,
3: doesn't it? Yeah, the the income disregard hasn't changed for thirteen years. You know, for the carers allowance. In fairness, it's it's an absolute disgrace. I mean, the care that I give Fionn here, and I get sixty six euros for it. And there's no regard taken to the amount of money that we spend on his physio, on his equipment. None of the outgoings are taken into account, only what's coming in. And we're so lucky that Trevor does have a great job. But, like, we have been forced to fundraise and we don't want to do it. No family wants to do that. It's it's humiliating, it's stressful, it's difficult, but, like... We we did it and we have been so, so lucky because we've had huge support from the community and everyone. People that have never even met Fionn have reached out and supported us. But it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, these little kids, they're not here for long. They should be minded like little birds in a nest. They should get anything that's going. It should be just focusing on making them comfortable and helping the parents to cope and get through these few years that we have with them and let us enjoy them while he's good you know it's very seldom we get good days and we should be able to have had sleep to be able to take him to the park or to go somewhere with him on the days that he's good instead of having been up all night one of us and exhausted so we can't go together as a family you know it's it's an exhaustion level and a stress level that I just I honestly can't explain and I didn't know it myself before I had Fiona I have to hold my hands up and say that now I was oblivious to the lives that carers leave you know, lead and I think a lot of people are and it's not their fault. There isn't enough awareness and I'm really fighting to do that now. I have his Facebook page and his Instagram and I show the bad things and the good things and a lot of people don't like when they see, you know, the images of him crying and in distress. But it's so, so important for everyone to see what we go through and the fighting that we have to do day in and day out just for their basic human needs and their basic human rights and our rights. You know, nobody thinks of the family as a whole. It's box ticking. It's bureaucracy. It's... I just... It beggars belief what carers have to go through and we just need to be seen for what we do, the massive Trojan work that we do to keep these little children at home and safe and well and those families that have elderly you know, parents as well, that they're minding the care that goes into them is massive as well and they deserve so much respect. We just deserve so much more
2: totally and I think a lot of people would agree with you there on what you said Bryn and the box ticking is, is just the worst of all because that's what it is that somebody in an office somewhere just ticking a box and saying well that's done now there you go and yeah. the reality is what you're saying here this morning are you fundraising at the moment for Fiona how, how are things going in that direction
3: well we did um, a virtual 5k walk and we raised we raised over 4,000 euros I think this summer for him and we're hoping to buy a ceiling track heist for him Um So that's what we're gearing towards. Now, that fundraiser has finished. So us as a committee, we're not going to do anything until next year again because it's absolutely exhaust. But if anyone at the same time wants to donate to his GoFundMe, we would be very grateful. But we, you know, we're so conscious and so aware that everyone is struggling with this pandemic and everyone is under pressure. It's very hard to keep asking for support, even though Fionn desperately needs it. You know, we don't want to be keeping asking and asking but god knows he needs it and we need it um so if anyone can we would be so grateful but we understand that everyone is under extreme pressure
2: and you can find your details on, as you say, Fionn's Facebook page on Facebook or indeed uh, the GoFundMe page as well that you have set up. Uh, for the moment, uh, Brenda, give Fionn a hug for us and say hello to Trevor as well. And you mind yourself. I of course. And, hopefully, and thank you so
3: much for the opportunity to speak on the air as well.
2: No problem. And stay in touch uh, and let us know how things go.
3: All right, and okay. if you ever need you anything, so you know
2: much. where we are. If you need help in anything, Thank any help, give us a buzz. Thank
3: you so much.
2: Thanks, Brenda. Thank Take Bye care. Now. That is Bye. Bye. Uh, North Cork here, Brenda O'Connell Barry there, uh, on the reality that it is for her and her family. In minding her young son Fionn, uh, but what she felt they and other carers like her should have got from budget 2021 and while people are unhappy with various restrictions and asking about this and that this morning, doesn't that put everything into perspective on how lucky other families are uh, when you hear what uh, her and her husband Trevor and indeed her young son go through on a daily basis I mean not able to get sleep for a whole weekend I mean how would you manage with no sleep for a whole weekend uh, caring for your child in that particular situation and then getting back into the swing of things for a new week after having a sleepless weekend. Anyhow, uh, the reality of what is happening on the ground with our carers. Our lines are open 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. Dennis joined us a few weeks ago on the show. Dennis had an issue with his wedding ring which broke. Did he get it started? A lot of our listeners were in touch. They had a lot of ideas for Dennis, a lot of shops that could help him out. Uh, we We'll find out about the end of that story next. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 103. Now a number of weeks ago on the show, Dennis in the Fremont area contacted us because he had his wedding ring but it had snapped and he was looking for advice on where to go to get the particular ring fixed and was there someplace that would be able to do this. So our listeners of course uh, got in touch and gave a lot of ideas to Dennis. Dennis rejoins me on on the phone Good morning to you Dennis Good morning John Paul And uh, you First of all This was a few weeks ago I think you got in contact with us Just explain what happened I know the ring split in two uh, Just explain how it happened And the predicament You found yourself in Then when this happens,
4: Well I suppose that It was actually only last Tuesday night uh, Of last week Tuesday night of last week And I contacted you On Wednesday last But um, it's, it, thankfully it's all, it's all started Done and dusted um, i, I it has good reasons for to, to break this I'm wearing it for 39 years. And um, I was just saying that the anniversary was coming up in 26th of October. So um, I do a bit of climbing, uh, rock climbing and, and indoor wall climbing. So I always take it off. So I was on the indoor wall and uh, I was taking it off and just discovered it was broken, cracked, right, a clean break. So I said, there's a bit of a problem now. How do I do I turn to? So next morning, uh, the dilemma was unfolding and there was ducking to my ring and I said, I think I have the, I didn't bother googling or go for the, the golden pages or anything, text message to C103 and thankfully, it started.
2: So when you joined us on the show then, I thought it was a few weeks ago, so only last week uh, that you joined us on the show, listeners got in contact they gave us a number of uh, stores that could help you out in getting this particular ring sorted Uh, you took up the advice of our listeners and uh, where did you end up with the ring? Well
4: um, I I got six names and I looked at the first one, Michael Ford in Oliver Plunkett Street, Cork. I got a good feeling about about it and I rang the number and, yes, this is Michael here. So I had a good chat with Michael and uh, his anniversary is coming up at the end of the month also. He's 44th, so I suppose I'll take the opportunity now to wish him a very happy anniversary, a gentleman, wherever there is another. So I told him my story and he, he said, no problem, pop into me. So said, not so easy. Pop in. I'm living in Fremont, and you're up in Albert Plunkett Street. So I said, if I put it in the post, you let me know what uh, it'll cost. I'll put that in the post to you, and you fix my ring and post it back, and if you can get it back to me for my anniversary, I will be delighted. So Michael Ford said, no bother whatsoever. So I put it in the post the Thursday, and I was wearing it on Monday morning, fixed and sorted.
2: Oh, that's some so, service.
4: That was some service, exactly.
2: Yeah. And you weren't worried about it going missing or anything in the post, no?
4: No, he, he was a very sincere, not. I never had anything went uh, astray ever, so um, I just selected it to a bit of cardboard and off with it, and it to me in a similar way, and absolutely perfect. It had gone a little bit out of shape, I suppose, like all of us after 39 years, but I uh, have um, it, he, he had it perfectly round and shining It was like new It was like the day I bought it And you couldn't see where it was repaired Absolutely
2: perfect And you're wearing it probably now at the moment
4: On again now for another God only knows Another party know, surely
2: And your anniversary you were saying there Is towards the end of this month So I know there's various restrictions in place now And everything going on But uh, were you, are you going to plan anything special now That the ring is uh, back and fixed? Oh,
4: we'll have to we'll have to do something, I suppose. Yeah. Well, we we, can travel. we, we
2: can't travel. You can't do anything really that way. Yeah, so we'll have no, to uh, st- yeah. stay local or stay at home.
4: No, we'll be staying at home, which is fine. We'll have our our our, our favorite cake for the for the occasions. We we love this romantic uh, cake. which
2: oh, oh, yeah.
4: it is absolutely beautiful. It we, is.
2: We, we, we I know the one. that's home. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> it's,
4: it's, it's, it's,
2: it's too nice at times. But you'll have to have that for your your anniversary and your your Hi. wife. Uh, what's your what's wife's name there again?
4: My wife is Peggy Peggy yeah.
2: And Peggy is delighted That you had the ring on again To show she you're sure married is. She sure
4: is But I suppose well, Just to, to Say something about the people That made contact And yeah. the people that phoned us To help And um, Like a, a very kind lady I met At a, at a local graveyard uh, She was Out walking by And, 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 and saw me and, and just came over to uh, Had I started Or was I able to Get it That she knew somebody That would be able to fix it Like she could have walked by I needn't have said anything, but uh, I, I think the the goodwill, the amount of goodwill, the I know this is a very trivial matter. It's a very, really small thing in the in, in the scale of problems that people have uh, in today, especially in this world. But uh, the amount of goodwill and the amount of people that, that come forward to help, um, uh, as I say, one should always open the gob if they have a bit of a problem. True. By golly, people will come forward. The people are so willing to help; it is unbelievable. People,
2: and in a time where we have a lot of negativity, maybe people would yeah. say out there and people snapping at each other. It's good to know that there is goodwill out there and nice people out there as well.
4: Well, whatever amount of negativity is out there, John Paul, there's there's a, there's a huge huge volume of goodwill and and, and caring and love out there also, and, and far more overpowering than the than the other one. And we, we have to reach out because it. Uh, we, we, people have to ask like an open dog as I say people have to ask and I, I know that's easier said than done I understand all that but by golly the goodwill and the and, uh, they they share that people have have a huge volume of of care and goodwill within each person, you
2: know. Yeah, and you feel better too if someone comes to help you. Out. You just feel better and more uplifting from that experience. That you know, there's people yeah. out there who don't even know who are strangers, but they are willing to help you. Absolutely. And that the 39th anniversary now is the end of this month. Will you reminisce? Will you go back to and think about the day that was 39 years ago? Oh, and yeah. where where did you actually get married? Where where was we, the the wedding? Well,
4: when I was younger, Gouvanbara, oh, okay. in bars, are the little churches—you see the photographs and, and and the pictures everywhere. It's a beautiful small church, and is it's under the, the, where the river Lee actually arises. Yeah, I know. Right? It, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. What we were, I was back there when I was younger, I said, if should I ever get married, uh, that's what I'd love to to, to get married. If I ever be lucky enough to get somebody to marry me, So, <laughs> fortunately... Fortunately I did and uh, we, that's where we went and it was it was beautiful but when when, the, um, when October comes around the weather is changing the colours are, are changing nature is changing and the feelings come back to you from the time and it, uh, you, the month would definitely not pass by but you could not forget the anniversary you know, when you get married October back holiday weekend because it's every your senses are heightened and everything is it, it all comes back you know and um you definitely could not forget it But it's a beautiful place
2: It is a beautiful spot Especially October. in the autumn yeah. With the changing of the leaves and, and the colouring Around the area there Of the church yeah. And did you go on honeymoon?
4: Uh, we, we toured around Went on to Wexford And uh, went back up, up to Wicklow And uh, Wexford and Wicklow Mainly Wicklow It was absolutely beautiful It was cold I remember It was really cold That particular uh, October It was really cold We were we were perished But um, it was, it was, it was lovely and again the people we met. We actually planned absolutely nothing, not even a B and B. It just hit the road and uh John Creeden hotel in Inchigilas where we stayed the first night or a couple of nights and uh we we continued it on from there. Nothing planned. Donnie knocked on the door of a hotel or a B and B and uh, we weren't refused anywhere, you know, thankfully and the memories are the photographs are there. But we go back to Wichlow then uh, so often to, at the same time of the year and all the memories come flooding back and it's absolutely beautiful.
2: Well, it's great to have those memories and it's great oh, yeah. that the wedding ring is fixed and been uh, wore by you now proudly again for the oh, 39th God. anniversary. And our, p- pass on our best wishes as well uh, to Peggy and enjoy yes, your anniversary yes. at the end of the month, Dennis. And thanks for joining us and thanks to all the listeners as well who uh, contacted exactly. us to help you and you now you're in a happy situation there with your wedding ring.
4: And thanks to your show for for allowing me the opportunity. Uh, the 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 human contact is is fantastic. Rather than just going to a
2: yeah, a, a the phone internet.
4: a device, you know, because you missed the you missed the human factor.
2: You we know, do, know, the, yeah, the, it's the, very important.
4: The people and and the kindness and whoever sent in Michael Ford's name. Thanks to that person because, by the he, he, he is absolutely fantastic. And if Michael is listening this morning, said thanks, Michael. You did an absolutely great job, and happy anniversary.
2: Likewise to you, Dennis, and Peggy, and thanks for joining us this morning on a good news story and a good outcome. Take care, Dennis. Enjoy the anniversary. This is
1: Cork Today. Cork Today. With JP McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits, C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Good morning to you. Our lines are open, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp Oh eight six two one-zero-three-one-zero-three. 103 A lot of calls and comments in, first of all, to do with those restrictions that were announced last night within Level 3 here for us in Cork, anyhow, which basically means uh, no visitors allowed to your homes or gardens, only except to provide care. And also, uh, for outdoors, groups of six from two households max, if you are outdoors. But for those, uh, the majority of calls we're getting... And inquiries is about those who wish to visit someone's home. And basically the rule is, uh, from the government last night, no visitors allowed to homes or gardens only for essential reasons, such as maybe childcare or indeed on compassionate grounds uh, to provide care. Uh, So that's what they have said last night from the government in relation to the extra restrictions put on us here in Cork in relation to COVID-19 on this Pat saying, He thinks the government are going the right direction. Pat feels two more steps they need to enforce now, though. They need to bring in a curfew at night, says Pat. And they also need to bring in the mandatory mask wearing from secondary schools upwards while out and about, says Pat in Formoy. And Catherine feels the household visiting restrictions will have a big effect mentally on the elderly, living alone, especially in remote areas as they get little visitors anyway. It's a sad start to the long winter for those people, says Catherine. I think a lot of people would agree with you there. Catherine on that but again for care reasons people can visit for compassionate and care reasons if that is an issue for those Uh, also on this Anne wants to know are we allowed to go and see our grandchildren Uh, well on that again the rule states that no visitors allowed to homes or indeed to gardens only if it is maybe for care so if you're caring for them uh, that would be a reason but if not uh, the advice at the moment anyhow uh, they're not rules I suppose the advice at the moment anyhow is that you can can't uh, go and visit someone in their house from tonight and uh, that is what they are saying and the advice they are taking again unless it's for essential uh, reasons or indeed if it's uh, for caring for a child maybe but for the moment they're saying no and on this Michael in Castleton Bear says The shackles of lockdown are rattling around us again We already went into lockdown early on this year but you must remember it did not achieve zero Covid that we were told about that it would achieve We have scaremongering going on about hospital beds Last night we had 30 in ICU Back in April there was 135 in ICU and 880 people in hospital The risks are with lockdown are much bigger than people think and that people have given thought to. As pointed out the other day in the figures for those who fail to show up for these cervical smear tests, they will be diagnosed further down the road as will breast cancer, mental health, diabetes, heart trouble and more. A recent survey published by the International Labour Organisation Michael Says states that 50% of young people have suffered depression or anxiety as a result of the lockdown if the conditions of Level 3 are adhere to fully we should not require a total lockdown says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862103103 Well, 103. also on WhatsApp a person here says I think it's time to stop GAA rugby and close off licenses so parties in close contact may make help and, and stop everything that is going on uh, this might help this as we're all doing what we're being asked of uh, but then if you have sports going on and you have off licenses open where this will thinly the parties if that was stopped it might help reduce the numbers while John in Buttovan says about these new restrictions uh, nobody that, that can visit houses I'm supposed to have work carried out in my house today does it now mean that with the new restrictions that this work can't take place and I know I have a Texan as well uh, from a worker who is doing work at the moment. So this person says, um, I am working at the moment and I have a plastering and electrician job to finish off. Can I do that? Well we just check that out and on that because they do say essential, on that they have come back to us and they are saying that essential work can be carried out. So uh, for the likes of John and Bonavent and that person who must finish off a electrical job and a plastering job, uh, the supply and delivery of essential uh, or emergency maintenance so, if you consider that essential maintenance, that can still continue uh, under this restriction. Oh obviously enough if the person in the house is happy for you to come in uh, that can continue if there's something that needs to be finished off in the house for safety reasons well then you can continue that according to what we've been finding out this morning Uh, but again it's up to the person in the house if they are happy for you uh, to do that Uh, if the person in the house is not happy well that's a different situation then if they feel that they'd rather you not come into their home uh, and that's a discussion you might have to have with them Uh, but if they're happy enough for you to go into the house well then uh, you can because it's the an essential service and that is okay under uh, this latest r- restriction so thank you for your call and that to John and all, that worker as well and also Lucy back onto us from Manway, when she was inquiring about meeting her mother uh, she says we meet in her garden we go through a side gate we haven't been in her house since March because she was saying she could meet in the footpath but she can't go into the house and again the advice is uh, not to go in or meet in the home or the garden so uh, that is what they are saying, Lucy, and I know you're frustrated by that, but that's the advice that was issued last night. They're saying no visits allowed to the homes or the gardens, but again, except to provide care or if there's an essential service. Uh, so I mean, I don't know if, if you have to go in and care for your mother. I mean, if there's a reason you have to go in, Lucy, you, you have to go in and care for your mother. But if you haven't been in there already for the last number of months, as you say you haven't, uh, I know the point you're making is that you could stand on the street and talk to your mother on the pavement when people are walking up and down the road, whereby you could not go into our back garden where you feel it's safer to do so. So I can see the point you're making there uh, on that. Lucy, thank you for your text. Uh, moving from the restrictions, for one moment I'm going to go back to questions in on those restrictions uh, just to keep everything together. And First of all uh, A has contacted the show asking, if my daughter is a close contact, must the whole house self-isolate for two weeks? Yes, you must. And this is an interesting one because somebody is asking, is it still safe to eat outside a cafe or restaurant? And it is we're still in level three in Cork so you can do that, but uh, what about a marquee? Someone is asking. Well, have to get that checked out because uh, a lot of the restaurants have you know the cover over them, and that is fine. Uh, but this person is specifically asking about a marquee. So whereby the cafe or a bar or whatever, you don't go inside the actual building, but outside they have a marquee. Uh, but if you're then inside in a marquee, is that deemed still outside? Because if you're sitting outside in the street, you have the Uh, The canopy thing over you, you know, you still have, you're not totally blocked in, whereas in a marquee, you kind of are. i will have to get that checked out because I'm not 100% sure on that, to be honest. Uh, But you can still eat outside anyhow uh, in a cafe and a restaurant. Uh, That is still allowed. Uh, for the moment, for them, anyhow, up to 15 people. But thank you for your text on that. Somebody asking about recycling centres. Yes, they are open. I don't know where you are texting from or what centre you're inquiring about. But uh, because some don't open every day and they have various hours, your best to check with your local recycling centre or check with Cork County Council. But they are open. And uh, one more person here asking about the restrictions, feeling that they are unfair to the uh, generation who would love to see people coming to their home. I can understand why they are in place. Uh, but I feel this will cause to more mental health issues in the future, uh, says jury on text to o eight six two one oh three one o three and from those restrictions mentioned last night to uh, the earlier caller from Jennifer and Jennifer was in touch yesterday afternoon actually and Jennifer basically purchased a jumper Uh, she purchased this jumper for her partner the jumper did not suit so she brought it back to the shop but for him to try it on she removed the tags from the jumper and she put the tags back on the jumper but when she went back to the shop they basically said we're not going to give you a refund because you removed the tags Uh, she was be happy she said to get a, a voucher or something but no the shop said we're not giving you anything because you did remove the tags so she had to leave with the want the jumper. A lot of reaction to that. Firstly, uh, Sadie on text saying, how did the shop know she had not worn it if the tags were taken off and then somebody else could end up buying a second hand jumper, uh, says Sadie. While uh, texts are here saying, Jennifer should get real. It's well known you leave the tags on When you try it on, says that particular texter. Another texter here is saying, under the law, the Sales of Goods and Supplies Act of 1980, removing tags equates to damaging the item. Therefore, she's not entitled to claim a refund. And on a similar situation, Ina says, I wanted to return an item, tags and all intact, to a particular store, but I was very annoyed they would not give me my money back or indeed a credit note. And the excuse they gave me was they only do that on the original price and not on the sale price. They offered me an exchange for another item that I did not want Were they right to do this. I have heard of that whereby if you buy something on a sale price uh, that they don't offer or they don't do that. So I have heard that happen before. But are they right? Again, we'll check that out for you. Now. If anybody is in the know on that, let us know. Uh, text or WhatsApp 86 Call Bernie or Sadie 1850 and we spoke there and we heard the reality uh, before 11 from Brinda caring for her son, Fionn, and what they are going through and what little help they got from this particular budget. And Christy making the point that regarding support for carers and other vital health services, it is an utter disgrace, as Christy, that so many of those services have to be funded through charity efforts. Yet we have continuously been told that Ireland is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. It is It's difficult to see that when we see so many issues of concern for people and families. Maybe it is one of the wealthiest, but if it is... It certainly is not being distributed equally and fairly to meet the different needs, uh, says Christy on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And I think a lot of people, Christy, would agree with you on that, considering the amount of GoFundMes and fundraisers we hear about on this particular show. And all for reasons like Brenda, because they're not entitled to the particular money uh, that, they, that they think they should get, that they should be receiving from the stage, considering all the other payments that are going up and down. And when you hear the, uh, what Brenda and other carers are going through, that they then uh, don't have the access to that type of service that they should be having access to or payments that they could receive that would help them more. Anyhow, yeah, it is frustrating. And I think a lot would ask about the wealth of this country and where the money is all going to. Christy, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And earlier we had a call in uh, and uh, also a message into our Facebook page uh, from Alison and she was asking people when they're referring to Halloween and Christmas because of all what's happening with COVID not to be saying Christmas is cancelled or that Halloween is cancelled because it's unfair. She says kids are listening and they are getting worried. Her eight-year-old was asking her uh, last night what's going to happen if Halloween is cancelled and people are just getting upset when they hear this, especially children, when they hear this on TV or radio or wherever. And a lot of people agree with Alison saying we need to be careful now on how we speak and discuss Christmas going forward the last thing we need is to upset children who look forward to Christmas because after all while it's very commercialised says Jim they will enjoy opening gifts on Christmas morning and that is what it's all about the Christmas Mass and indeed Christmas morning we'll have to wait and see as Jim says what will happen around that time Uh, but hopefully we'll all be able to celebrate Christmas one way or another even if we have to watch Mass on our TV on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day and another text to hear who says Christmas is all about celebrating the birthday of Jesus and that will never go away people should pray more often for the virus to go away and stop worrying about Halloween and Christmas says that particular texter and on Cork airport which we're going to discuss very shortly and this is on Ryanair who will retain three routes out of the airport this winter but they are closing their base in Cork this winter uh, Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 says this is terrible news on what is happening to Cork airport and to Shannon airport and obviously of course Ryanair have announced that it's Shannon and Cork their bases would close in for the winter uh, Heidi making the point nothing is going to happen to Dublin and she says I know as we all do that things for travel is bad at the moment but a lot more by this government they should have done for example the jobs at now Cork and Shannon and the spill-off of jobs in the areas nearby we need those particular jobs and we need more investment in that particular area says Heidi to 086 103, 103 and we'll discuss That issue with Ryanair next
1: Across Cork City and County This is Cork Today On C103
2: Ryanair will retain three routes out of Cork Airport for this winter. It does follow the announcement that bases are to close in Cork and Shannon for the coming season. Ryanair had a base in Cork Airport since 2015. And for the first time in 15 years, they will not have aircraft based in Cork for the winter months. Well, Sinn Féin Jeopardy for Cork East, Pat Buckley joins me on this news. Uh, Good morning to you, Pat.
0: Good morning, John Paul, and thanks for having me.
2: And thanks for joining us, I suppose. First of all, not unexpected that Ryanair have done this. I mean, they did more or less threaten this during the summer at a press conference when Eddie Wilson, their CEO, did visit Cork Airport. And with everything going on with restrictions, they have made it quite clear that they are flying with empty aircraft. So from a business point of view, you can see why they have made this particular decision.
0: Yeah, I suppose you could, um, John Paul, but I suppose, look, the biggest worrying thing here is... um what's actually been announced today you know it has the potential of about twelve thousand jobs in the region that will be directly or indirectly affected by this and we're well aware of i mean you're talking even on you know tourism and the jobs and hospitality side of it maybe 900 million lost to the economy um we have been raising this on numerous occasions here in leinster house to have some kind of a package put in place to try and support everything here. I mean, unfortunately, up here in Dublin, Dublin is Ireland, and they forget about whatever has passed uh, the Red Cow. And, I mean, let's be honest, I've been in, I suppose, Constance, um I suppose, talks with um, Kevin Cullen-Len, uh Conor Healy, the CEO of the Chambers, I spoke to him on a number of occasions, and, of course, Neil McCarthy. And, I mean, Cork have done you know, everything that they can and what's the most unfortunate thing about this is even, you know, we were for the second largest city in the country, we were the fastest growing airport last year, you know, and I mean for this to happen now in the middle of a pandemic is an absolute massive blow for direct, indirect jobs for the airport, for the region itself and for the future and fortunately we've been lucky enough we will be raising it again today Uh Deputy Gould, Deputy O'Leary, myself, um, in, uh, p- under a topical issue to see if anything's going to happen for. Are you happy, O'Leary though, that,
2: that three routes, though, are going to be retained? Does that show any positivity, that Ryanair <sighs> do want to keep an operation at Cork Airport and, it, it, and, and it, want to have involvement in the south?
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, it, it, does, it does give hope. But, I mean, you know, the amount of businesses that have been affected since this, since this pandemic came in. I think the approach that the government have taken has been, you know, very, very one-sided. I mean, again, I go back to saying that, unfortunately, this government and past governments have been more of a reactive than a proactive. You know, whether an action is always an instant reaction. We knew there was going to be unbelievable consequences within the business sector, within any sector, I suppose, you know, with this COVID pandemic. But they had an opportunity, you know, to borrow money at their interest at present and try and keep everything afloat. Because I you know yourself, you'll hear the saying, you know, once it's gone, it's gone, which is a massive, massive fear that we could lose, you know, that amount of services out of Cork. As I said, I've been working on tourism within, you know, even when I was in Cork County Council to try and promote the area. And in fairness to Cork City and Cork County Councils, you know, they have been doing absolutely wonderful work to fly the flag for Cork and the county. But, I mean, this is a massive blow. And, I mean, we're hoping to get some kind of a, a report. And as far as I know, the, the Transport Committee is actually actually just gone meeting now. So hopefully we might have some solace or some bit of um, clarity or an answer. Or maybe the government might have a plan before we go into the Dáil again this afternoon to discuss it.
2: And when you mention that discussion, it's a late stage, but can anything be done now to help this particular situation?
0: Well, to be honest, John-Paul, I hope there can be. As I said, look, we were on to... um, I was surprised, well, I emailed um, Niall McCarthy last week and so did others within the party here, the Cork TDs in particular. And, um, you know, we had a a kind of a frank discussion on what they needed. And in fairness, we, we did urge the Transport Committee... You know, to get on this straight away, which they did, and I've, and I have to say, uh, Cork Airport were very, very honest and very, very blunt and frank, and they laid the cards on the table that what they could see foresee what was coming. So I mean, it's not that the government has not known about it or hadn't been warned, but again, it's it's the typical Irish way: we wait for the problem to fester, and then we scratch our heads and try and figure out how we're going to fix it. I mean, and, and it's it's. This so frightening at this such short notice will see that all of a sudden that we have so, so many more people that will be on the pandemic payment very, very shortly. We're losing connectivity. We are an island. We need to keep the place open. We've always been strong advocates of Cork and Cork Airport and the Cork brand. And I mean, we needed more than ever now for the government to step up to the place, put the money where the mouth is and say, look, we need to keep connectivity within this country. We need to keep the jobs. We need to prepare and plan for the future because this strain is not going to be with us forever. And, you know, there will be a massive demand on these services once things calm down again. But the demand might be there next year, but the services might not. And then we'll have another situation where we'll be going back to government parties again and saying, come here, we told you what was going to happen. We asked you to plan for the future. And yet we've come another 12 months on and we're staring another disaster straight in the eye.
2: And while they're planning for COVID at the moment and they're looking at the traffic light system that the other countries are using within the EU, are you happy with that?
0: We would be in favour of, I suppose it's a common sense approach, John Paul. I mean, I was going through the figures um, yesterday, the, you know, the latest COVID figures. And despite, you know, people, and there are high numbers coming in and out of this country, still, you know, through airports. But, I mean, the transmission cases on that is around 2%. Now, we've been calling in Sinn Féin, you know, for proper uh, measures for scanning, temperature checks, COVID checks at airports. These could have all been put in place. You know, again, these are the preventative measures. This is the proactive measures. But, unfortunately, the government decided, you know, it wasn't going to be a priority. And believe you me... We are getting it every day. There is an awful lot of frustration out there. To me, it's down to very bad planning, reactive planning. Um, The the, the case of um, what happens when plan A is gone, this government doesn't seem to have a plan B. They seem to be trying to wing it. And we've heard the announcements again last night. I mean, I, I got my announcement Despite being a TD and sitting here in Dublin this week, I got my announcement of what was happening with Level 3 Plus and the 4s from my sister via a WhatsApp last night at about 20 to 10 while I was leaving Leinster House. That'll tell you how well prepared this government is.
2: And what, they did not let the parties in Leinster House know what was going on?
0: Well, we didn't. And, we were, and that's the way it seems to be. It, it, it just doesn't seem to be any, you know, standardisation or proper channels. I mean, as I said... To get a WhatsApp to say, are we going into 3 plus tomorrow? Hold on, I'll check. You know that type of way? It's beyond uh, belief at times up here.
2: So you you mean to say that Sinn Féin and I presume the other parties, Social Democrats and all the others, had no idea that Shock Mihal Martin was going to make that particular announcement last night, that you first heard about it from online or from family members?
0: Yeah, I was actually in the chamber uh, raising, actually making statements on the, the budget and once I came out of the chamber last night, obviously came back here to my office to gather my things and head home for the night. And at that stage, even though I had met people in and about the offices, we were not aware. The majority of this stuff seems to be broken on, um, you know, the media sites or the news sites via Twitter or whatever. It's only when I got it from my sister that I actually checked my phone and went, Well, right, let's go into Twitter, let's go in to breaking news and see what's happening. And I mean, would, it be, think, would that be unusual? Uh, it doesn't seem to be unusual uh, since this COVID uh, started because, I mean, I'm sitting here, I still have my computer screen on, the, the emails be popping up. You'd suspect that we'd have got a brief or, a, you know, a newsflash note via email if there's anything like that coming out. It was like last week when they...
5: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full
0: terms
4: at mintmobile.com.
0: Mentioned or rumored level five. The first I heard of it when it was on the news. I mean, it's, it's an appalling way to be in, to be treated as well. And then my phone starts hopping and people are looking for answers. And I'm generally do not even know whether it's based on fact the announcement of the possible level five, and obviously there was not a plan because we didn't get one from the party from the government. So I mean, as I said, they're still winging this, and I mean, there's people, there's so many people suffering here, John Paul. People are going to lose their jobs, their livelihoods, their family, their homes. I mean, it's it's. We're in for a big, big trouble here. And I think this government have just got it all wrong. And, and when, you,
2: when you mention, uh, just picking up on, on your point regarding not being told, I mean, for the opposition, for you need to know and you need to brief your members. And obviously you're going to challenge uh, what has been said as well. Uh, is there a reason why you think you are not being told in the opposition benches of what has been decided in government? Or are you really? Or Do you really think they're just winging it every minute, as you say?
0: I genuinely think they're actually winging it. I mean, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing and none of them know how to tie a lace. So that's the three parties put together for you. And to be honest with you, you know, there doesn't even seem to be cohesion between those. And I mean, it is very, very frustrating when you're here. You're trying to represent the people that put faith in you. And yet when they look for information, you can, well, I would always turn around and just tell them straight out the brass tacks. To be honest with you, I have got nothing official from any government department to say we are going into 2, 3, 4 or 5. I've heard nothing about. Yesterday evening, as I said, was the first time I heard of a 3+. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous the where people are being treated. And I mean, here we have this big scenario. This was flagged weeks and weeks and weeks ago by Sinn Féin about Cork Airport and Shannon Airport. And the government knew about. Now, you probably could have looked into it and said, is it a threat or whatever
2: well, on, on the airport, patch, I mean, we we know that Ryanair bosses have said that they may have to reduce their capacity even yeah. further if travel restrictions remain. And even though we spoke there about the traffic light system, that won't change things too much because people just simply may not be traveling over the winter period because of what is happening, because of restrictions. Uh, a lot of our texts here are making the point that if you were running an airline like the likes of Ryanair and others in the market, you will be looking at the more lucrative airports uh, that, uh, for example, is making the point, the likes of London, where you will have a lot of uh, flights in and out and uh, connecting flights to America and Australia. Is there a fear that Ryanair could look more now towards Dublin and London and other airports and that when things get back to normal, uh, you could have a situation, regional airports like Shannon and Cork uh, may have to fight again to get certain basis back because overall management at airlines will have made that decision to invest in London and Dublin even though again to make clear there is still routes coming out of Cork Airport for this winter with Ryanair but when it comes to bases and operations
0: Yeah yeah, you could look at it both ways to be honest with you John Paul I mean last year I mean there was over 2.6 million um, passengers you know Hmm. went through Cork Airport now there isn't an awful lot of operators working out of Cork Airport cities are actual, you know, very specific niches. And the demand is obviously there and the demand is growing. As I said, like it went from 2.4 to 2.6. Between
2: Huge demand, yeah. I mean, people don't want to fly out. If you're here in the south, you do not want to travel to Dublin to no. fly out. If you fly back from a, a journey, whether that's business or whether that's holiday, the last thing you want to do is get off a flight, get on a link bus to yeah, get to your and car and then it, drive and another, another a, two and a half hours a, or more. Half. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I mean, as I said, there's been an awful lot of investment in Cork Airport over the last probably 10 years. And in fairness, it's only now that the, the investment is starting to pay off that unfortunately this COVID came along. But I do think, as an island, as an island, that this government or any government has the duty to care to its citizens to ensure that connectivity will be, I suppose, preserved. Because when this is over, If we're down to a very, very limited, uh, I suppose, flights and whatever, there is going to be again, John Paul, a, a knock on effect here. If the services are not going to be in Cork, if they're not going to be in Shannon, they're certainly not going to go to Farnford or in Waterford. So, where do people start heading? Back into the bottleneck of Dublin. It's not going to be a progressive system either. And I think there has to be a way where, you know, government and all interested parties sit down, sit down together throw your cards on the table, come up with a plan, a doable plan, a long-term plan or a short-term plan, it doesn't matter. But the the end result here is we have to, I suppose, keep the guarantee that we can keep our services in our local airports, in our county airports. We need to protect those 12,000-plus jobs. I mean, that money, over 900 million a year that's going into the economy in Cork, You know what that drives the hospitality and tourism? We have to keep all that going. And now, it's like the publicans at the moment, I think they've been treated very, very badly. There was not a guarantee. One minute they were opening, the next minute they weren't. And this seems to be what I went back to a while ago about saying, they're winging it. They've never come out, this government said, right, we need to shut down, we'll say, Cork County on level 3 plus 1, for three weeks, we're not going to change things, regardless what it is. We will then evaluate it in three weeks' time and see where we go from. They just kind of picked dates out of the sky. Things were going well. I, I spoke to businesses. I met businesses where they were doing up the outside of their bars and stuff and all excited on a Friday to be opening on the Monday and to be told Sunday night, you're not opening anymore. It's so destroying for business people and for the employees. I mean, and, and it seems to be going across the whole spectrum in this country and as I said, we are an island, and here we are now. The fact that we'll probably, if the worst-case scenario, I, I can't see it, I genuinely couldn't see it, but it, doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Worst-case scenario, scenario, we'll have two main airports on the island of Ireland. One will be in Dublin, the other one will be in Belfast, and the rest of us from, again, the red down. We'll just have to suck it up, and it's absolutely atrocious that people can be left down in this day and age, knowing knowing that there was a tsunami here. And Pat, looking beyond COVID,
2: for example, let's say if everything is, there's vaccines and all of that and things have calmed in maybe two or three or four years, down the road, and the picture you paint there, looking at a tourism side of things for Cork, while we talk about flying out, a lot of people fly into Cork as well from various countries that Ryanair do serve as an example. It's going to be a huge knock-on effect as well for tourism locally.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, the, this is the big worry here. I mean, I sat in the Collaborative Joint Committee when I was in Cork County Council with Cork City Council to plan for the whole county, you know. And tourism is one of the, the, the benefactors, I suppose, that we have. It's a massive niche in Cork. And people don't recognise, you know, they talk about uh, the Ring of Kerry or, um, we say uh, the Antrim Coast. But actually, when you come down and look at West Cork and East Cork and whatever, the amount of uh, probabilities... And the moment, we have the most amazing people in the county. We have the most amazing places to go. We have the most amazing foods, amazing things to see, restaurants. We have so much history. There is so much potential. And fairness to be honest, the two councils, Cork City and County, have put in extortionate amount of money, right, into promoting Cork County. And all of a sudden, somebody in Dublin decides, well, they're going to have to take the hit because we can't afford for it to happen anywhere else. It just won't be good enough, John Paul. And as you said, uh, even over the years. One of the biggest issues that we had in Cork for a number of years was with businesses flying into Cork, right, looking at IDA sites in Cork, and the first thing they used to say to us was, well, we would come here, but our biggest issue was we don't have enough, um, we'll say, living quarters or living space for our staff. And they listened to the people in Cork City and Cork County and started developing areas, planning for the future. And again, I just feel that the people of, you know, anywhere, as I said, outside of Dublin, seem to be left down and, you know, left to fend for themselves. And yeah. as I said, there's many people here, many families will be affected with this. And I just think that I, I'm i looking for and I'm hoping for that that's going to come out today after this um, transport committee and before we get into the chamber, if we can get some clarity and say, are you going to have some kind of a package? Is there going to be some kind of a plan to, to ensure that, you know, that this is not going to be a tsunami effect, that there is a plan in that we can come back to airlines and say, look, here is the plan for this year. I don't know, can they do certain things like waivers on, you know, landing charges? I don't know, but it'll have to be addressed because people here are starved from not getting out of the country to get away. And as you said, the potential for people coming into our country, and particularly coming into Cork County, on the tourism, not on the, mind, the business side, That demand is always going to be there. But the biggest problem is the demand for the flight is the thing that will be missing. And when they go looking for it, it's not there. That's when the penny's going to drop and then it'll be too late. We need to get, I suppose, it's just, if this, you know, if, if we have more closures here,
2: it's We're not going to affect for the whole county. I mean, even Cork Airport management have said that they're devastated, everybody. but it's the direct and indirect jobs. Uh, yeah. is that, that will affect the area. And I mean, when you go into this transport meeting, Cork Airport, it's a very positive story looking at the growth you mentioned earlier on when I was speaking to you, uh, the growth there in the airport over the last number of years, the way the airport is operating. I mean, it, it is a positive story. Uh, so it, it, it shouldn't be you know, the government looking at this should be looking at the positivities that Cork Airport has shown over the last number of years and the team there and, and the hard work that they have done in securing so many different routes for Cork I mean everything that's going on is out of, is out of all our control uh, but that should be looked at as well when the transport committee do discuss that later and hopefully they do. Before I let you go Pat there's so something you mentioned there when you run about the restrictions and and not knowing about hearing about them and, and finding out from your, your sister first and all of that uh, one thing that we're getting this morning from a lot of people with these new restrictions is a lot of elderly who were maybe living on their own and I know for care reasons people can go and see someone if, if, they, if there's a, an essential reason or a care reason to go into their home but uh, many feel that and i know your work in mental health over the last number of years in the east cork area uh, that we will have a big issue with mental health over the next few years because of what has happened are you hearing that in the ground from your work uh, within mental health
0: i can put my hand straight on my hat now and say absolutely yes um it's it's absolutely it's happening now john paul unfortunately it's happening now that the, even the numbers are going up. It's not being reported. You mentioned about the restrictions. I mean, me personally, and I mean, I mean, surely the government will take a common sense approach in this as well. Um, you mentioned about carers and people going to uh, visit their elderly parents yeah. and stuff. My mum lives alone. My mum will be lonely. My mum will be frightened. A common sense approach is, I oh, will go and visit my mum to see if she's OK. It's one-to-one. It's the same as a carer. I mean, I think the government have to grip, get to grips with this because, as you said, mental health, anxiety, you name it. I mean, it's going across every age demographic at the moment. Parents are struggling, but kids are struggling. I mean, even your Halloween is practically cancelled now. And the fear that Santy's not going to get around with all these restrictions for Christmas, you know, has anxiety levels up in children. And, of course, they're not going to affect that. It makes it... Parents, uh, more, you know, their anxiety levels are going high. We don't know where the next job is. Uh, up to um, the day before yesterday, we're, they were muting that the people on social welfare and on the PUP payment were not going to get the bonus. We knew it was a Sprat, but, you know, they had to give it. We knew that the rumour was that nearly a week and a half ago, when level five was mentioned, that There was queues on the Monday outside Thai stores because people were afraid that they might not even be able to supply or, you know, look after their families or their kids for Christmas. But as you said, on the mental health and anxiety things at the moment, um, to be very mild, but to be blunt, it is very, very, very worrying at the moment because of social isolation with the elderly in rural areas, but also in urban areas and even in the cities. I mean, it's gone so bad now, I know of cases where elderly people living on their own are writing letters to themselves and posting them because the only person they will meet possibly once a week is the postman or postwoman. That's bad.
2: That's very sad.
0: That is sad. And and, and I don't make it up. And I raised another issue last night. You have people, the elderly and the uh, people on disability, I spoke to one pensioner who is in receipt of the fuel allowance but gives it to her daughter because her daughter's on disability is not getting enough and can't afford to heat house. So you can see the knock-on effects. These are the calls and these are the people we're talking to every day. But for, for some reason this government just cannot see what outside the pale of what's going on, but what's going to happen, what's going to be the natural effect of this. And I think it will be next March or April before we will see... You know, the real figures and the real heart of this because banks are not really playing their part when it comes to businesses. The insurance companies are not playing their part when it comes to businesses. And, I mean, I've always spoke to a lot of business owners and pub owners and hoteliers and whatever. And, I mean, they're all pinned to their collar. It's grand to say to give them a few bob. But, I mean, we're going to have to come up with a plan B. And Europe I also have a responsibility here. We're supposed to be all in it together. I don't think we are.
2: OK, well, Pat, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. First of all, we're at Cork Airport in that meeting this afternoon with the transport. Before I let you go, I don't know if you know this or not, but texter is asking, I know Neffet are due to meet uh, today and they were mentioning that we're going to make a decision on Cork. Do you know if that meeting is going ahead today?
0: It's supposed to go to head today. says Thursday, but I haven't got any time. Yeah. and The rumour was, I think, no, as I said, here we go again. You the haven't been told officially, uh, but... No, uh, three three plus... I think the 10th of November was the rumour we're hearing but then again that could all change by half uh, four today Okay well we'll wait but we we'll do probably, know that You'll probably message. know before I know anything oh, okay, like My tweets us or something
2: Okay Well for the moment uh, thanks for joining us this morning yeah, We'll yeah, wait man. and see what happens uh, with uh, Cork Airport and indeed uh, our mental health services So for the moment that is Cork East uh, Sinn Féin deputy Pat Buckley uh, regarding what's happening with the airport his view on that his view on tourism and also uh, touching on mental health there as well your views are welcome on that and for those inquiring as you said about the Neffitt meeting yes they are meeting this afternoon on Cork what will be decided we'll have to wait and see later this afternoon expect news on that from around four 4.30 or so and we'll bring that to you this afternoon and this evening on our news bulletins here on C103 18.50 333103 our lines are open text or whatsapp 0862103103 <laughs> Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And on the airport situation, Dan says that Pat Buckley possibly is panicking about Ryanair and more regarding Cork. O'Leary, that we be Michael O'Leary, I presume of Ryanair, you mean, does not fly from Cork to save us driving to Dublin. He does so because of the volume of business coming out of Cork, which will return after COVID. On Dan says that on 1850 333 103. While Tim on text is making the point that as an island nation, we should have retained state control of our air communication and one of our ship communications, Aer Lingus, and Irish shipping. Irish shipping could have gone into passenger and car ferry business as well as worldwide freight, says Tim. to thanks to 0862 103, 103 More of your calls and comments on the various issues we're discussing this morning on the way. C103 jobs. But on today's job spot, we have opportunities for Dukon Concrete in Canturk. They require a HGV mechanic. You can apply with your CV to info at dukonconcrete.com. Fresh fish deli in Skibbereen require production assistance and supervisors. Contact 086 859 8095. And Dan Seaman Motors on Forge Hill. They require a service manager and a service advisor. Email your CV to info at danseamanmotors.ie You'll find these jobs and more details tells online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job This is Cork Today Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103 Cork's
1: greatest here.
2: of your calls and comments in on various issues. By the way, shortly is well, we'll be speaking to the Lord Mayor of the city on a positive news story for Cork and this is how planning permission has been approved for a major development in the city and that will include Ireland's tallest building. We'll hear about that also between now and 12:30 but just some of your calls and comments into us. First of all, back to those restrictions that were announced last night and many people asking questions on those particular restrictions basically uh, what they mean is and this was following a cabinet meeting last night. Uh, the government have signed off on a ban on all household visits except on compassionate grounds and for essential reasons such as childcare. And also, the restriction applies to calling to people's gardens. So, you, what applies to indoor applies to outdoor in the house. Uh, but also, six people from two households can still meet in other outdoor settings if physical distancing is maintained. Well on that a lot of people asking about workmen calling to their house and on this we got it checked and if there is work being done in your home and it is a delivery of an essential or an emergency maintenance well then that can go because as they say it's for essential services so that can still go ahead but a a texter here asking I have a person to come uh, to my house to fit a smart meter can they still come and do the work for me uh, well, they might be in contact with you to say otherwise, but if it's deemed by them and by you as an essential service, they can. But at the end of the day, it's your home. So if you feel that it's not safe for him or if you have a concern for him or her uh, calling to your particular home, uh, well, then you can express that to its ESB networks do in that particular work. You can give them a ring and say you're due to have that person come to your home. But if you have a concern yourself, you can ring them and say that to them. They'll be understanding and they can arrange a different date at a different time. Um, but for for that particular reason If it's deemed essential, uh, then they can, according to the information we got. If if there's works that need to be carried out or finished off in a home that are essential, then the person can still come. But again, it's up to the homeowner. Uh, It's all about personal responsibility. And if you don't feel safe, well, you can change those particular plans. And Liam, a similar question says, I'm a landscaper. I have a lot of plans to set. How am I fixed? I don't know if they're in your own place or where you're setting them. And I presume they're they're in people's gardens, Liam. But again, if the person you're calling to, if this is deemed essential services that the garden you were... Landscaping needs these plants in place and as we know from Peter Duddle on a gardening slot if you're doing something like that you will need to have plants set at a certain time so if that particular person in the house or whoever owns the house is happy for you to finish off and it's deemed an essential service then you can but again it's up to the person in the house with these restrictions that mentioned they might feel uh, they might even change their mind themselves the house owner that is Uh, so if they don't feel comfortable well it's up to them at the end of the day whether they want you there or not but if it is is deemed an essential service you can be able to do that uh, to finish off the job you have started and another texter saying I have a son or daughter living near can I call to them or can they call to me again uh, as I mentioned under these particular restrictions they have said a ban on all household visits uh, even unless now there is a compassionate ground here that's a caring role in that that is different uh, but if it's just for a visit at the moment to reduce the level of spread of COVID-19 they have said that they Uh, except for compassionate grounds or essential reasons, maybe as childcare, what we mentioned with work, uh, not to call to a person's home and it really doesn't make a difference, I think, how live or how near uh, they are to you or not. Um, And again, it applies to gardens and inside a home but still outside in a cafe I presume or a, a supervised area uh, up to six people from two households can still meet in other outdoor settings in physical distancing if that is maintained. Uh, so maybe that could be an option if you really want to see or, or you want them to call to you but in the home we can only give you the advice and that's what's been issued last night from the government on those household bans uh, and many have various views on that which we were highlighting across the morning on that uh, from First of all, Pat says, so how can Louth come to Cork for a match and I can't go 100 metres to my mother, asks Pat. And again, they may come back and say, like they have said to us this morning and other uh, circumstances like that, they could say, well, that is a controlled environment, whereas they can't control what happens in a home. They may send that, Pat, back to you on that. And also Liz says, are, are, we are all and being told to cop on. And if we did this, there would be no need for all these restrictions. Now stop blaming and face up to the consequences. Uh, we know about the hard times, and all APS know too well about hard times. Says Liz on text to 0862103103. And on the issue of we spoke about the budget earlier on, and people were not happy with the the rise that you will see in fuel. Well, on this, Sandy says uh, they spoke about the need to raise carbon taxes to cut CO2 and harmful emissions I wondered did anybody watch the Icawai last night TV show on RTE with Duncan Stewart he showed how trucks can be fuelled by gas to produce from grass and slurry so gas can be produced from grass and slurry and fuel trucks did anybody see that particular programme last night Uh, Sandy wants to know did any green minded people see it or bring it to the attention of the Minister of the Environment yeah Interesting, Sandy, and I know in other countries they do look at that and they do uh, have uh, trucks, uh, which and cars maybe as well that are fueled by gas, which is produced from grass and slurry. So yeah, it can be done, and maybe it's an option here when they speak about CO two and harmful emissions, and people have an issue with electric cars could that be something that the government could look at in this particular country asked Sandy on 1850 333103 text or whatsapp 0862103103 and we spoke earlier with Brenda caring for her son Fionn and the reality of her life how a weekend she can have sleepless nights she can go from Friday right through to Monday morning with no sleep Uh, there's no night nurse for her at weekends she's doing what she can I'm trying to do what she can to get a service for her weekends. But because of this, she has sleepless weekends and then she faces Monday morning getting back into a full week while having no sleep. And it just shows the difficulty carers are having and why they feel they have been lost and missed out on in this particular budget. Well, a text in here from Cornelius who says, I take care of my wife. I got half carers allowance I don't get fuel allowance because they say the carers allowance takes me over the limit but I still have to buy coal and oil and I have to pay the carbon tax it's so unfair to all the carers like me we are treated like nobodies says Cornelius on WhatsApp and Mary says I would like to point out about the budget that they allocated 19.2 million euros to the greyhound industry and 50 million euros to third students. What does that say to carers, uh, says Mary on text to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And a lot of people making uh, points about Cork Airport that it is a positive airport that it has proved itself over the last number of years and the government now need to intervene because we need those services here in Cork. But one person saying what's happening in Cork Airport at the moment is not looking good for a Cork Taoiseach, is it not? And what's people's views on that? 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp, 86 210 103 Well, some positive news for Cork is uh, that a major development will be happening in the city and will include... Ar- Ireland's tallest building. We'll hear about that next. The C103
1: Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, supporting businesses,
2: supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And Kildallery Community Development, they will hold their weekly lotto draw, and that is going on this afternoon at 4 o'clock in the community office in Kildallery. The week's jackpot there is €1,200. And Tom O'Regan from Mallow and Padra Keane from Listole, they have joined forces to raise funds and they are going to, because obviously of COVID 19, they had to change their plans. They were going to complete a six mountain peak challenge, but they have found a solution around this. And on Saturday, 17th of October, they will complete a 100. 100- K cycle from their respective homes to Knockboy, followed by a 707 metre climb to the mountain summit which straddles both counties you can get more information uh, through their Facebook MDI Facebook page or go to their GoFundMe Munster Peaks for MDI for both Tom O'Regan from Mallow and Paul Gerckeen from Lisdol and Mallow Pity Dinners Collection that will be held on this coming Sunday from 11am to 1pm at Kylie's Sales in Mallow all non-perishable foods, cash and checks are welcome. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And on the issue of carbon tax, we spoke about there before the break. Donald says that carbon tax, we speak about over regarding our cars and our trucks and everything like that. But how come there is no carbon tax on sky fuel and those aircraft which burn serious amounts of fuel on a daily basis? Maybe not as much now, but they would have pre COVID. What a joke, uh, says Donald. Text to 0862 103. 103. And we mentioned uh, when speaking to Cork East Sinn Fein deputy Pat Buckley, mental health issues, because many feel with all these various restrictions that mental health uh, will be impacted. And uh, we'll hear more about that maybe over the next number of years. But as uh, Pat and others have been saying, it is already having an impact on people, as we only know too well, on how people find it hard. Uh, For example, I mean, the calls we're getting this morning from people who are concerned, especially those in rural areas who may not see somebody now because of these uh, restrictions and a ban on household visits, even though, again, there's an exception on compassionate grounds and essential reasons, just to take note of that. Uh, But there is a fear for mental health. And within that, on mental health reasons, uh, Joan is asking about people checking their phones all the time. Maybe they're checking them too much and getting negative information on the phones regarding COVID or false information on, on various social media sites on COVID that is also affecting people's health and also on the phones and on people checking phones. Interesting that a third of Irish people seemingly check their phones within five minutes of waking up. It's a new study from Deloitte and it has found that people picking up their phones they can do this 58 times Per day on average. And it seems that 62% of us use our phones to check bank balances and over half of us browse shopping websites and browse apps during the day. So what would it be like if you didn't have a phone to browse or how many times do you yourself pick up your phone and browse through it or check it in case you miss a message or notification? maybe a Facebook notification, maybe a, a message on WhatsApp. Are we all guilty of this? Do we all keep checking our phone every few minutes for fear of missing out on something? And as Joan is making the point that, is it a negative effect that is happening, having also on us that we are checking our phones too much and maybe receiving too much information, too much negative information on our phones? Well, our reporter was out and about on the streets this morning getting the reaction on this particular survey and these people say that they would pick up their phone quite a lot during the day
0: i'd say more than 50 times a day not even to check anything like a notification um just even to check the time or little things like that i just saw like i was walking up to
3: you and i had my phone in my hand like i never put it down even in work i'm always on my phone so definitely over 50 times a day i'd have like a panic attack if it wasn't on me
2: so are we all guilty like that girl there having a panic attack if the phone wasn't on her and is that also having an issue for mental health uh, as Joan is pointing out but on our phones are you one of those who wakes up and within five minutes you're checking your phone you're constantly checking it during the day in case you miss out on something let us know and obviously if you're letting us know you're on your phone a text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103 but on something totally different and this is some good news because planning permission has been approved now for a major development in the city which will include Ireland's tallest building Lord Mayor of Cork Joe Kavana joins me Good afternoon to you Joe Good afternoon J.P How are, you? How are you today? Fine thanks and thanks for joining us on this This is a very exciting time for the city given everything going on at the moment with Covid it's very exciting to see this uh, planning permission being approved for this huge development Just talk us through this because I mentioned there Ireland's tallest building It's a 34 storey building on Custom House Quay
1: yeah, 34 storeys, 140 metres, uh, mixed development at the bottom. There'll be uh, a hotel, there's uh, some retail, some commercial and so on. Um, <clears throat> but it's the actual structure itself will totally transform um, the skyline of Cork of City and, you know, um, the Docklands area of our city. Uh, has been under development and under planning and under development for for many years now, and I'm hoping that this will transform the city. It'll bring obviously it create a lot of employment, and um, but once again, um, there's a lot of plans uh, coming to fruition, as you can see with Navigation House, Albert One Albert Key, and all, and Down Penrose Wharf. Uh, Penrose Docks and Horgan's Quay on the other side, and um, so on one side you've uh, John Cleary developments, and the other side you've got Callaghan's building down as far as beyond, and beyond Adlam's. Uh, so there's massive development going on there, and right in the middle of all this, then you've got this iconic 140 meter um, uh, skyscraper, which is probably one, one of the tall, well, the tallest building in in the country, and it'll it'll transform the skyline in Cork City, and I think. Somebody coming to Cork who hasn't been here for a number of years, even coming here today, uh, will, will see a significant difference on the skyline and the general streetscape and, uh, of, uh, the, um, of the Docklands area of the city, which is going to be totally transformed and iconic and very modern.
2: Any time frame on when the construction of this particular building will take place?
1: Not exactly, because you know yourself with these things, JP. I mean, by the time that the planning and the planning has been granted now, and there'll be obviously uh, toing and froing with City Hall, and obviously the construction details will have to be put in place, and constructors and subcontractors appointed and so on. So by the time everything kicks off, I suppose we're looking into 2021 by the time the thing gets going, because, but you'd be surprised once once the contractor gets on site and the steel starts going up, these things tend to move fairly fast, you know?
2: Yeah. And as you mentioned there, the whole area of the Docklands, which many would say was underdeveloped for many years. I mean, we I think it's the second or third largest harbour we have in the world here in Cork. And when you look at uh, a population, which is a lot bigger than us, obviously, in Sydney. But when you look at Sydney Harbour, what they have done over the years and what they have yeah. achieved. I know we can't compare like for like because of population, but we could develop the harbour in some way something similar to other big cities because we have that ability we have that natural harbour there some would say it was Dublin might yep. have been done a long time ago and, and that seems to be the way we are going I mean I just have a question in here from Anthony he's mentioned the event centre and what the, yeah. the back of what's happening with that at the moment Joe I mean would it have been better to have the event centre located down in the Docklands area maybe in the Odlum's building or somewhere around there would that not have been but, a better location and develop that area of the city?
1: Well, I suppose there's an old saying, um, JP, like, you know, when you decide, you divide. And no matter what decision you come up with in an event centre, somebody else will have a better idea, you know. Mm. But, you know, I'm just, just, as I'm speaking to you, going past the new Dean Hotel, uh, which is an iconic development next door to Kent Station. And um, this whole uh, Docklands area is going to be totally transformed. And I'll come to you on the event centre, but the one point I want to come back to you on is the one you made about the harbour. I mean, we don't shout, and you're 100% right, we don't shout loud enough about the fact that we, Cork is an iconic city from a maritime perspective. Um, Cork Harbour is the second largest natural harbour in the world behind Sydney, as you correctly pointed out. And, you know, with Brexit looming, JP, you know, you've got to bear in mind, and I was at a meeting not too long ago, and it was impressed very forcefully on me and um, how important Cork Harbor is going to become in terms of Cork Harbor being a gateway to Europe for uh, a lot of shipping coming across from we say from from the from the from the west from the United States and that area that, that direction um, the shipping lanes um down behind down below us south of Ireland are very busy shipping lanes as they are uh, in terms of commercial shipping but when, uh, we're, the fact we're losing the land bridge of the United Kingdom, uh, it's going to increase the importance and the significance of Cork of Harbour. So it's very important that the Port of Cork is developed and this building will contribute hugely. And yes, you're right, um, you know, Sydney, Sydney Harbour did fantastic work uh, and they have their iconic opera house, but we have our iconic opera house as well, um, you know, uh, on the banks of the River Lee. So uh, everything is done according to scale, to be quite frank and honest with you. And um, look at, looking across the river from Horgan's Quay, and there's massive development in Horgan's Quay. And when all Horgan's Quay is developed, and when Kennedy Quay is developed over, right down beyond Adlam, what a magnificent city. And using the riverscape as well, Uh, It'll be absolutely superb. So in 10 years' time, this whole area of our city will be absolutely unrecognisable. The event centre is going ahead. We are, as a council, liaising with um, uh, the various stakeholders involved because obviously everything has slowed down globally because of this global pandemic in so many different ways. So, And that is the reason that has slowed down because all the boxes have been ticked on that. So we are just... um, Picking the last few boxes with, with the various stakeholders involved and the location of it so you're not going to drive to an event and people talk about the parking adjacent from South Main Street to the event centre when was the last time you drove to the uh, Point Depot and parked outside the door and went to a concert I don't think I ever did you know
2: Yeah, but just thinking of the location, would it not have been better to be in the dock area whereby this is developing? Would it have been a better location overall, like where the marquee is? You know, people walked in the marquee, they walked back into town, and I'm sure over time you will have bars and cafes located now on on the harbour area. So overall, would it not have been a better location? Or I suppose you could say now we'd have an event centre where it's going to be anyway, hopefully. Who's to say if Cork continues to grow, there won't be a need for another one in that area over time? We, We don't know what's going to happen over the next 10 years.
1: We all, one thing I'm very proud of is the way our city is structured. Our city is a very compact city. Uh, a lot of other uh, European cities would be very uh, spread out and difficult to get from A to B. It's so easy to get from South Main Street to Patrick Street, to which is the city centre, uh, right down to the quayside, to Kent Station, to the bus station, and all the infrastructural uh, requirements that are needed. Uh, adjacent to the current site of the event centre. So it's not as if it's 10 miles outside the city. Be worse if, wouldn't it be worse if we had it out in the outskirts of Ballancolig or the outskirts of Bishopstown, which are... And these are fast-growing areas, fast-growing residential areas, um, and, you know, an event centre needs to be in the city centre, and it is in the city centre. What part of the city centre, I think, we'd be picking at straws, really, you know?
2: Okay and finally on this whole dockland development then I mean a lot of people are saying yes when you're driving in especially as you would know on the lower Glanmire Road heading into the city is already looking spectacular with all the new buildings this will add to wish would you welcome more tall buildings like this I mean some people are, are saying kind of skyscraper like buildings uh, some people are against them but I think overall the majority of our calls and texts are for this and feel it's going to give Cork an upper edge on other cities in, in Ireland certainly and also the competing with yeah. others in Europe but, but Do you you welcome more of these developments over the next number of years along the Docklands?
1: Well, yes, uh, to scale, which is very important. I mean, all all these developments will have to be, um, I suppose, verified and confirmed by engineers and architects and so on, because obviously they have to fall in line with the current uh, landscape, um, which is very, very important. Um, because, and uh, you know, the engineer, when, when, when something is given planning, all these factors are taken into consideration, which is of critical importance. Um, and I think, yes, they will add to the streetscape, they will add to the, the, the I suppose, the vision of Cork in the long term. Um, but I think it's important that we do mind the uniqueness of Cork in terms of its skyline. And we are very proud of it and we're very proud of what we have in Cork at the moment. But we need to develop areas that are run down and we need to create um, a reason for people going to certain parts of our city, which is of critical importance as well. And we have a lot of streets in the city that need to be refurbished. We have a lot of streets, a a, a lot of um, commercial buildings that need to be repopulated as such. Uh, So we need uh, a reason for people to go to the various uh, areas of the city. And, of course, I'd welcome more... um skyscrapers but we'd want to end up like New York with nothing but skyscrapers
2: you know yeah well hopefully as we say it's a positive story anyhow and it is going to make it's Cork a look in a very it's modern a city story. so it's a good news story uh, before I let you go on something that, that is more or less a concern but hopefully uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens over the next while well, Cork Airport obviously enough uh, you'll be aware as Ryanair are retaining three routes out of the airport they are uh, closing their base for the winter uh, mm. what's your view on that as Lord Mayor of the city and the concern you have on the future of the airport because of something like this happening
1: well, I suppose Ryanair will make a commercial decision to suit Ryanair. And I don't think Ryanair are too concerned about Cork or Cork Airport, to be quite frank and honest, which is they're in the business to make money. And, um, you know, Cork Airport as an airport is what I'm concerned about. And I think it's of critical importance that we do mind our regional airport. And it's up to our elected representatives in the Dáil in Dublin to, to ensure that we protect Cork Airport and indeed Shannon Airport as well. They're key commercial hubs in terms of aviation, uh, from both uh, passenger tra- from both passenger traffic and also for from uh, for commercial traffic, but more so for passenger traffic. I mean, people use uh, Cork Airport to, for for business purposes and for and for uh, going on holidays and so on. So connectivity to Cork as the second city, and as I said, with Brexit looming, Cork is going to become. Uh, Not just the second city, but we'll be a joint first city in the country because we'll be on the southernmost tip and we'll be uh, the nearest city in Ireland um, to, to Europe once Brexit comes into play, which is only around the corner and Very true. of importance you know and something we need to bear in mind in the long term
2: and make use of the resources we have for the moment uh, Joe thanks yes, for joining us JP. this afternoon uh, on the programme that is the Lord Mayor there of Cork City uh, Joe Kavanagh your views are welcome on that and indeed uh, good news on future developments for Cork 1850 333103 uh, that number as well for your questions for Jane Pickett who joins us next on the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Military Street Veterinary Group you can text as well your questions for Jane 0862 103. Same number by WhatsApp. She'll join us next Cork
1: today on c 103. Call Patricia with your comment.
2: 1850 333 103. And Mary is in North Cork. Uh, Mary says she's a pensioner and she's been cocooning and she is annoyed listening to Pat Buckley who joined us in the last hour of the show. I see Cork East, uh, Sinn Féin deputy, Pat Buckley. She says, we all need to get out in the fresh air and go for a walk and stop complaining about these restrictions and no point in talking about Halloween or Christmas. We are all spending far above our means as it is we need to do our best to get rid of this virus says Mary in North Cork while John says if people had acted responsibly within the last few months then we wouldn't be in the position that we find ourselves in now if you give someone an inch they will take a mile if we give up Halloween we might still get Christmas says John on text to 0862 103 103 and let's go to Pet Advice now with Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Military. Street veterinary group but good afternoon to you Jane.
5: Hi there how are you doing? I'm
2: fine how are you?
5: I'm good thank That's you. That's good.
2: Now a lot of questions in so I get straight into them and first of all Noel is in the city and Noel has an eight-year-old dog it's a shih tzu dog a shih tzu palm cross actually. Now the dog is coughing a lot during the night but it seems to be okay during the day. Any cause of this?
5: Well a cough at any time of the day, it can be a number of things, particularly in older animals. Sometimes as we age, um, the tissues in our windpipes, so our trachea and our larynx, our voice box, they can become a little bit less flexible than usual. So sometimes, uh, let's say, a little bit of irritation with lying down, for example, that's a classic one we see, so kind of morning and evening when we're changing position a lot, it might kind of change and cause pressure on, on the windpipe or the voice box, and it can sometimes cause a little bit of an irritation. Now, there are many other causes of cough, particularly in older animals, it can be things from infection, so a little bit of a flu or a cold, as it were, something like kennel cough, so an infectious cough. Or sometimes it can it can even be, let's say, a problem with the heart that can cause the cough. Um, sometimes it can even just be long-term inflammation. Basically, there's a huge number of things that can cause a cough at any time of day. What I would say as a first protocol would be to visit your vet and let them know the pattern of the cough. So it sometimes helps to keep a little cough diary for a week um, and just write down kind of when you hear the cough, how long it lasts or what it sounds like. So is it really harsh and hacking, like a kind of a very dry cough or is it, let's say, quite a soft, moist cough? And, and do you ever see anything coming up? It's kind of like ourselves. We were coughing up phlegm. Do you ever see anything appearing afterwards? It's a really helpful thing for us to know. But I do think if this cough is ongoing for more than a, a few days, and certainly sounds like from what our caller is saying, that it, it, it may be going on for a little while, it will be best to present to your vet. It might be nothing, but there's certainly a number of causes of cough. So you will need a vet to do a full exam and maybe a little bit of diagnostics to figure out what the cause is, if it needs treatment and what that treatment might be.
2: OK, and John is in Butterfence. Now, his dog had major surgery over two months ago. Now, the wound had healed and left a scar. The dog has been scratching and the scar is now weeping a bit. Is there anything that John can apply to the particular scar to prevent an infection from setting in?
5: Mm, to be honest, if, if the scar was weeping a little bit, I'd be a bit concerned that there might already be infection there. So, dogs are absolute devils for going at any little bit of a scar or let's say a post-operative wound, which is normally why they wear let's say a collar or a bodysuit for a little while afterwards just to keep them away because you can tell a human now sit there and don't pick your wound but you can't really tell a dog that very easily and the temptation is for them always to, to go in and look and see what's happened. It sounds like this might be a little while after the operation has happened but sometimes they can kind of just take the task and um, they can kind of just want to go at things What I'd say is the best thing to do in this case, because there is a little bit of weeping, would be to go and visit your vet because it may be that there's already infection there. And if there's not, they'll be able to guide you as to how to, let's say, maintain the wound to make it a bit more comfortable.
2: Okay, and uh, an advice for behaviour on this one Uh, this texter is saying ask Jane what can I do to stop my darling dog from attacking the postman every day so the dog is seemingly going after the postman but obviously the postman is then trying to get away from the dog and uh, this texter claims she saw the postman uh, drawing a kick around the dog Uh, so I don't know that that matters then while he was trying to get away from the particular Mm -hmm. dog so what can you do in this situation when a dog seems to be fine in the home uh, but then can be angry uh, towards it's that particular situation opposed to man or woman?
5: Yeah, this is a really tough one because there's kind of two sides to this coin. Yeah. Now, for this little particular dog, he is protecting his family. So in his own little mind, he thinks, right, this stranger has arrived, I must protect my house, I will woof and I will attack. So it's really a protective mechanism to protect the family, being quite territorial. Now, this is quite unhelpful because the poor postman has to deal with this every day and, and actually I don't know the statistics here in Ireland but when I used to work in the UK I knew that let's say postmen getting bitten by dogs was a big problem um, and postmen getting let's say bitten through letter boxes was a big problem so this is a, a really common occurrence and it's, it's certainly not, not the nicest thing in the world for our lovely posties to have to encounter on a regular basis so I do think that we kind of need to take action and, and try and stop the behaviour now the problem with this behaviour is it's self-perpetuating because the dog always wins because the postman always goes away. So he thinks he's done his job and he's got rid of the stranger out of the house because the postman obviously drops the post and leaves. And every time he does this, it reinforces the behavior further. So the best things to do is if you know your postman's going to come at a certain time, try and bring them into a room at the back of the house or do something else to distract them if you're around so that they have, let's say, it just breaks that cycle. So that distract them with a fun toy or play out in the garden or just take them away from um the front of the house where they could they could be near Mr. Postman as it were. Um and you just need to break that cycle. Now if you're out during the day when the postman comes I think for everybody's safety, it's best to keeps them either, let's say, in a secure area where they can't access the postman um, to cause any damage, but also the more time it carries on, the more it will perpetuate itself, it really engraves itself as a behaviour, so breaking that cycle is, re- is really, really vital. So, distraction and removal from the situation if
2: you can. Okay, and finally, Mary, she has a 16-year-old retriever, but the dog has gone very sleepy but is still eating and drinking okay.
5: Okay. So, if we're still eating and drinking okay and you feel that let's say their quality of life at, at home is, is pretty good, so let's say they're able to pop up comfortably, paddle around the house, out into the garden, sniff the roses, do what they what they normally do with their lives, then then that sounds like a, a good quality of life. Now, with our older patients, very much like older people, kind of old age and infirmity, we our sleeping patterns tend to change a little bit. So sometimes we can begin to sleep longer and more regularly in dogs when they get a little bit older. So that may be what, what's happening here, but it is kind of a more of a fine line between if we're sleeping, just because we're sleepy and our sleep pattern has changed, or if we're sleepy because we're, let's say, lethargic and, and a little bit sick. I think if you're in any doubt, I will pop to your vest. For my older patients under my care, and particularly if we were, let's say, getting on for 15, 16 in dog, in, in dog years, then I would normally recommend at least an annual physical exam, but to be totally honest, things can change quite rapidly in our older patients and keeping a weather eye on them can help keep on top of them. So I normally recommend kind of a check every four to six months with them. So if you're in any doubt, pop to your vet for a regular check. But if we are just sleeping a little bit more and are otherwise happy and have a, a good quality of life at home, then it may just be, be normal ageing.
2: OK Mary well best of luck with that and Jane thank you for all your advice this afternoon back again with us next week uh, take care I suppose for a reminder just take care of your pets coming up to Halloween as well because we know the usual uh, bangers and stuff will be out so we'll talk about that in more detail next week for the moment Jane thanks for joining us this afternoon Thank you. Uh, That's Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. My thanks to Bernie Murphy and Sidney Madden for working on today's show. Back again tomorrow with Cork Today from 10 a.m. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon with C103 News at 1 next. Good afternoon. I'm John Paul McNamara. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.